Hi, crime junkies. It's Ashley here. And you all know how ready I am at any moment to drop down the rabbit holes of mysterious cases to look for answers. And there's actually one right now that I cannot stop spiraling about with more rabbit holes than I can count. In this season of Counterclock, investigative journalist Delia D'Ambra begins investigating Doug Wag Jr.'s mysterious death after he was found struck on a strip of railroad tracks. But the more Delia has dug into this case, the stranger things have gotten. And you guys, there is truly so much going on. A string of mysterious deaths, a bank robbery gone wrong, conspiracy, corruption, and it may all be connected. You can binge all of Counterclock Season 6 right now in the Crime Junkie Fan Club, or you can listen to new episodes weekly wherever you get your podcasts. Home is your creative canvas, an expression of your unique style. Only Wayfair has everything you need to bring your vision to life. It's the place to shop for everything home, from sofas and beds to dining sets and decor. Wayfair makes it easy with fast and free shipping, even on the big stuff. They'll even help you set it up. Our house is full of Wayfair finds, from wall art to rugs to vases and more. Our go-to is always Wayfair. Every style is welcome in the Waverhood. Visit Wayfair.com or get the Wayfair mobile app. That's W-A-Y-F-A-I-R.com. Wayfair. Every style, every home. Ready for an amazing deal? BreezeLine's fiber-powered internet, starting at $19.99 per month, offers the reliability you deserve and security you can trust. Whether you're streaming, gaming, or working from home, we've got all your needs covered with speeds up to 1 gig and our two-year price lock guarantee. This deal gets even better with two free months of internet, free equipment, and free Wi-Fi your way to protect against cyber threats. Act now. Terms and conditions apply. Offer expires July 8, 2024. Learn more at BreezeLine.com. Hi, Crime Junkies. We are back with another update episode. This time, I got the opportunity to sit down with April Tinsley's mom, Janet, and we covered April's case back on episode 18. As a reminder, these update episodes are not a retelling of the cases. They're a chance for families of the victims to get out any new information or correct misinformation about the case. So if you haven't heard episode 18 yet, go back and listen. You'll want to know all of the details and the players of the case before we jump into this. And on that note, I'm sorry for the audio quality on this one. The only chance I had to meet with Janet was at a restaurant outdoors. So at times you might hear traffic or people walking by. It's not perfect, but it is real life. So with that, let's jump in. Brett, the first thing that I asked Janet when I met with her was about the events of the day that April went missing. I know this sounds minute, but one thing that I couldn't seem to get straight from online research was where was that umbrella that April left? Yeah, some places say she went home to get it. Some say that it was at a friend's house. It was confusing for me, too. Well, here's how Janet explained it. She left your house to go to another friend's house, right? She went, well... When, she, when I called her from downstairs, I took the umbrella down there and handed it to her. She um, came and got the umbrella, and I walked her to the, the alley and watched her go through. It used to be a school, but they tore it down, and it was just a vacant grass. Mm-hmm. And I watched her cross that, 
and then she made it to the girl's house, and then her and Nicole at the time left, was playing at their house for a while, and then they they both left, came went outside, and went around the corner to the other little girl that they went to school with, went to her house, and April knew she had to be home by 3.30, 4 o'clock yeah. before it started raining again. And so April left the other little girl's house to go around the corner to get her umbrella, and she never made it around the corner. So she never picked up her umbrella? No. So initially, April went to her friend Nicole's house, and she had her umbrella from home with her there. But her and Nicole left to go to a third friend's house just around the corner, and she left her umbrella at Nicole's. And it is when they left this third girl's house, she was planning on going back to Nicole's to get her umbrella and then go home, but she never even made it to Nicole's just around the corner. Man, that makes me wonder if April was the target specifically, or if it could have been any of the girls, just whoever was out there alone. I know. It's something I actually brought up to Janet, and I asked her what she thought, and she said she doesn't know either. Anything is possible at this point. But yeah, it was this whoever this guy was, he was probably just looking for a little girl, and April happened to be that little girl. It still shocks me that no one saw or heard anything. Well, according to Janet, one of the witnesses was an elderly lady who's probably deceased now, but she said that she saw the same blue truck like doing a loop in the neighborhood with a couple of guys in it. Then it was um, another elderly lady that lived not too far from there said that she seen a blue beat up pickup truck with a couple guys in it driving around the block a couple times. Wait, a couple of guys? I don't think we ever heard a couple of guys before. No, I saw it come up randomly in the research, but I, I assume it came from this witness, the same witness that saw the blue truck. But if we're to go off of everything on the FBI and police websites, they feel that they're confident it's just one guy now. Did Janet agree with them? Not 100%. She actually says she trusts the police, that they have all the info and know what they're doing. But it's really hard for her to believe that just one guy could have taken April. Because like I told the police department, there had to be more than one. If there wasn't two, there was like three. One in the back, two in the front, one to, ju- one to jump out and grab the child, one to throw her back in there and get out. Because at first they thought there was only one person because I said, there, no. How is that one person going to go around, stop the vehicle, get out, Go around the vehicle, grab the child, or whoever they're grabbing, and then jump right back in, throw her in the truck, roll around, jump back in, get in the car without. I get where she's coming from. It's terrifying to think that one guy could pull over, park his car, get out, snatch a little girl off the street, put her in the car, and get away with no one seeing his face or license plate. Or anything. Yeah, it's not like people weren't out that day. Janet told me that there was a group of guys actually working on a car all outside, just catty corner from exactly where they think April was taken, and they didn't hear or see a thing. And this is where I think police and even Janet come back to wondering if it was someone that April knew who she could have gone with. But even that list of people is very small. I'm sitting there, she was shy and bashful. 
she she wouldn't go to nobody. The only person she went to was my mom and dad. And her her own uncle lived candy corn uh, four houses down from where we lived at. Every time he says see her, he'll say hi, April. She will hide. We're 30 years out now. I have to assume they looked at all of the family, right? Right. The police actually started with the family. Investigating us. I had to do DNA twice. I knew the family would have had to been cleared, but Janet said it was more than that. They were sure that the family had to have been involved somehow, and not necessarily her mom or her dad, but someone in the family, someone that would have known her. But why did they need DNA twice? I asked Janet that as well. No, they... We still couldn't figure out why they did the DNA twice. I know I flunked the lie detector test. You did? Yeah. Was this, like, right when it happened? Oh, yeah. This is why you don't take a polygraph. Exactly. I am telling everyone now, if all you take out of this whole episode is that April's mom failed a polygraph and you go online and spread rumors, you are a bad, bad person. She had nothing to do with sexually assaulting and murdering her eight-year-old daughter. It just shows you, though, that when something so traumatic happens to you, you're in such an emotional state, you can fail one of those easily. They're machines and they're wrong a lot of the time. It's just sad, though, that there's no winning. Like, either you take it when you're a wreck and you fail and the police waste time looking at you, or you refuse to take it and you still look suspicious and police waste time looking at you. I know, it's not fair. I've seen so many instances of parents failing lie detectors when their kids go missing or are murdered just because they're so emotional and not because they did anything. I'd like to think that people from Indiana are decent people and wouldn't dare think to accuse her of murdering her own daughter, especially knowing the way she died. Oh, you'd think that, but crime junkie life rule number six, people suck. There are a few certainties in life. It's death, taxes, and trolls. So all I ask of everyone listening is be a kind and understanding person. You need to be the balance to all of the negativity and awful that other people are throwing out in this world. I had some woman put in a paper that she heard that I didn't want no little girl, I just want all boys, so I eliminated her. Somebody said that? Mm-hmm. Oh my God, Gina, I'm so sorry. That's disgusting. And that really, that really hurt, because I went to the um, one reporter that we knew and I told him I go print this and he he was printing it and I was sitting there you tell him ever since I was 16 years old I told him when I got married whenever I got married the first child I had if it was a little girl it was going to be named April Marie it was going to have blonde, curly hair and going to have blue eyes. And when she was born, everybody knew exactly who it was. <laughs> because she had curly hair. And it was just brownish brown. But I was sitting there. I had a piece of paper that I had notarized. And told them, when I, I was sitting there, uh, if I didn't want the little girl, then how come I t- wrote this down and Oh my god, you weren't kidding. People suck. 
I know. And I feel so bad because Janet felt like she had to justify herself to these people. She explained to me how she always wanted a girl, always knew her name would be April. And it just made me sad that anyone who would put her in the position to have to justify wanting her own daughter, like, of course she wanted her daughter. Of course she loved her. People even accused April's dad at some point of, like, pushing her down the stairs, and then all this was just a giant cover-up. It's just, it's all horrible, horrible stuff. And unfortunately, Janet has dealt with more heartache than any one mother should. She actually shared with me something that no one talks about anymore in relation to April. April was actually a twin. What? I did not know that. Because what everybody don't know, well, everybody keeps forgetting about the other one. April was a twin. I never knew that. Yep, she was a twin. I lost her twin three months prior being born, and I had to carry all of them together. Oh, my God, Janet. So you had to deliver two babies, but you only had April. Mm-hmm. That makes this whole thing even more heartbreaking. I know. It would have been another brother for April. And, you know, she's had enough grief for one lifetime. And she lost her first baby, got to raise April until she was eight, and then lost her as well. And her son, who was two at the time that April went missing, is now 32. His name's Paul. And he lives at home. And she said a lot of people tell her that he shouldn't and he should move out and he should be on his own. I don't think anyone has the right to look in on their situation and say what they should or shouldn't do. I agree, but this is what Janet has been facing since day one. She said people tell her all the time, you should be doing this or you should be looking here. I know a lot of people have told us over the years that um, what they would do if it was them and they'd be out searching for the person. I'm sitting there, ain't like I have. What can you do? I'm sitting there. I don't know where he's at. He could be anywhere. He could be dead, as far as I know. He could be in another state somewhere. I have no idea. And then they um, kept um, wanting to know about the jogger who found her and everything else. I said, there, don't ask me because I don't know his name. I don't know his wife's name. I don't know the area where they found her at because I've never been there. Really? I, I, I told everybody, I, they go, why haven't you been here to put flowers on? Where she, I said, nope, I can't do that. Wow, after 30 years, she's never been there? It's got to be hard. I don't know if I could go to the site either. Janet has to live with so many awful sights and memories. I don't think she needs more. And she actually talked to me a little bit about the night that she had to identify April. Yeah, before well before they transfer her back, they um had us go up there to identify her. Yeah, there um, that 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 right there haunt, haunt me for a while. You, you had to go. Oh yeah, I had to be the one. Was your husband with you? Nope. Just you. Be- his his brother and. Uh, mother sister stayed with him to keep him from going nuts because he kept trying to say he was going to drink himself to death so they got his his whiskey and all that and poured it out and kept an eye on him while me his other sister um, the neighbor down the street and my sister one of my sisters and the minister went and um, drove all the way up to Spencerville, went to the um, 
old high school that's up there. And when we're sitting there waiting for the corner to come down, sitting there, like, you get the nurses and everything, doctors coming up, you know, sit there and just stare at. I got so many holes in me, I said, good God, just there more holes in me. And then when um, I was going to have my sister go in with me. Yeah. But they wouldn't let my sister go in with me. So you had to do it alone? So oh, I, they let the, um, miss, the pastor go. So he went in with me. And when he went in, we seen the top part. And they go, well, we can't show you the whole body. I said, there. I wasn't going to ask you to show me the whole damn body. I said, top part would have been a fine and dandy. So when I turned to their side and see how she was sleeping, that was it. I, I knew it. I knew it right then and there. And I just sat there and just stared. I just sat there like, like, didn't move, didn't blink, didn't do nothing. And they go, are you all right? And I sat there, yeah. And so the pastor, he put his arm around me and walked me out. He goes, so it, that is her. And I said, yes, it is. You can notify them that, yes, it is. And then when we walked out the door, and after I shook the coroner's hand and everything, everybody was sitting in the waiting room. I just, I just walked straight past everybody, walked straight outside, went to the car. And they go... What happened and then I heard my sister say it's her because she ain't talking and I couldn't talk I cried all the way back halfway here and everybody the minister goes does you want anybody want anything to drink get some coffee or water or something because it's like 1 a.m. in the morning and we stopped and they asked me to go when's the last time you ate and I said like two days ago and they go we're gonna stop and get you something to eat I said there I couldn't eat I just sprung it back with me and um they had one guy there at the restaurant cause I'm sitting there you can tell if somebody's crying and I'm sitting there blowing my nose crying blowing my nose shaking and rocking back and forth like I can't sit still and you had these smart aleck people in the couple tables over and goes started staring and making fun of everybody and heard somebody said one was wrong with her and I, I I looked around and I just took all I can and I stood up and says, if y'all want to know why I'm crying, it's because I just had to identify my daughter's body and she's only eight years of age. I said, if y'all got a damn problem, y'all keep on looking. Oh my God. And when I said that, the whole restaurant, quiet, I mean, there wasn't a, you could hear a pin drop. I don't even know what to say after that. I know. I don't know how she made it through. She said that people always say to her, if it were me, I would have gone nuts. 
the only thing that kept me from going completely nuts is that I knew I had a two-year-old child at home. And like everybody else says, well, if it was me, I done went nuts, crazy. And I said, well, you had Paul. I had Paul at the time. And my focus myself on him. That kept me from going as I said, there's days I'll have my good days. There's days I'll have my bad days. One thing that kind of stuck out to me is how the coroner wouldn't let her see all of April. Do you think that's just a formality, or do you think there's more the police are keeping close to the vest? I really have no idea, and I, I can't even begin to guess. But Janet and I did talk a little bit more about how April was found. She was fully clothed when they found her. She had her jacket on and everything else. But the only thing that was inside out was her underclothes and her socks. They were inside out. So they know she had been undressed and then redressed. And the police department asked us if um, that's the way she dressed her clothes, you know, put her socks on backwards. I said, no. I said, because I put her socks on. Mm. I said, no, they wasn't inside out at the time. Yeah. And so they wanted to know if that's the way it was at the beginning. I said, no. The police asked Janet over and over if April would have dressed herself this way or if someone in the home helped her dress. And her mom was emphatic, no, someone else must have put her clothes back on. And actually, this is something new that I learned from Janet, that it was that specific piece of information that led them to one of the only named suspects we talked about in the episode, Everett Schull. Originally, I had heard that he was just talking about April at a party. It was very vague and nothing more specific than that. But... Because they arrested this guy named Everett Shaw. And, um... This was right after. Yeah, this was right after. Because he he went to, like, a party. And, um... He was telling them, you know, what color clothes she had on. Like, socks, underwears, and stuff like that. And I said, there... Ain't nobody should know about that unless it was me. I'm the one that was there when she was dressed. And he knew everything else, and I sat there. If he didn't do it, he knew who did. So he was describing her socks and underwear. There's no way he couldn't have been there. Yeah. Like, he had to have done it, right? Yeah, I can see why the police were so confident in the beginning that they had their guy. I would have thought he was their guy, too. I think they did, because when they um, when they arrested him for the one, for his um, stepdaughter, um... They um, took his DNA, but it, they claim it didn't match, but he knew who, who it was because he wanted to talk. I think it was he wanted to talk to them when he was in the hospital, or did he get sick? Because I know he got sick, and he was rushed to the hospital. When was this? Oh, it was probably... Mm, He's been gone, yeah, it's probably about 10, maybe 10 years ago, somewhere around there. So he wouldn't talk to police for a long time. His DNA didn't match. But not too long after April's funeral, I guess he got really sick and he was in the hospital. Cause he, or it's not, it wasn't too long after we buried her. And then um, they went to um, Lutheran Hospital and 
try to talk to him, and he was in like a, I think he was in a coma, and they reduced his coma, and he was starting to come out of it, and he wanted to talk to the police department, so the detectives went back up there to talk to him, and right when he was trying to speak, and he was going to give them the guy's name, who he thinks he did it, and he died. Wait, and this was right after April's funeral, or this was like 10 years ago? It was right after April's funeral. So Edward Schultz been de- dead for a long time. Yeah, he's been dead. So he was going to talk to the police, but they didn't get there fast enough? No, they didn't know how bad his condition was, I guess. And I don't know how, like, what time period this all took place over, but he was never able to give them anything. Wait, I'm confused. He seems like the guy... But his DNA wasn't a match? Right. I clarified this with Janet, too. They know he obviously didn't sexually assault her, but they're still thinking maybe he either had a partner or he knew exactly who did it, how, and why. We're thinking he knows who did it. Because Do you think he helped him, or you think he just talked to the guy? There's a possibility because at the time they arrested him for his um, girlfriend's daughter, there, he, he was hanging around with this other guy that had a shady past. Who was that? I'm not sure what his name was, but he had a he had a um, a blue van, and that's who that's the main picture of it right there. The blue van. Who's that guy? I don't know, but it sounds like he is a great suspect as well. But whoever he is, I have to assume police already cleared him and tested his DNA too, right? I mean, I guess they would have by now. What the heck, though? How did Everett Schull know all of what he said he knew? No one knows, and he died with those secrets. So if it's not his DNA, and we can assume it's not his friend's DNA, who's left? Does she know of anyone else who might have done it? No, and frankly, she said she's so tired of people asking. Every time an anniversary hits, news stations will come around, do a five-second blur before they all go forget about April again, and she says it's always the same questions. Who do you think did it? Who do you think did it? And she said, my God, it's been 30 years. Don't you think if I had any idea, we would have found the guy by now? I get that. That's got to be so annoying. Yeah. But we did talk a little bit about the suspect's profile and how police think that he's local. And I asked her her thoughts on this. At the time, to me, it had to be someone that knew the area because where they put her body at, it's like... In a rural area, and yeah, like a like a ditch and everything, and it's like whoever it was knew what they were doing. She went on to mention that this was too put together, and this wasn't their first time. So I asked her if she thought that this guy had ever done this before. I think they have, because the way the way they did it. And everything, to me, yeah, I think they have done it once or once or twice before. Well, if he did it before, he likely didn't do it in Indiana. I feel like we would have heard about similar cases, and the Indiana State Police would have put that together, right? Yeah, but there was Sarah's case. But when I asked her about that, 
She said that all she knows is police tell her they're not connected, but they won't tell her why. I get it early on. Like, you want to, like, preserve the case if you go to trial. But at 30 years, like... Yeah, they keep telling us, they'll go, you can't, if you talk about the case, you can't say this, you can't say that, you can't talk about this, you can't talk about that. I said, well, I don't know. I said, hell, I don't know half the stuff anyway, because you ain't telling us anything. Yeah. And then I'm supposed to not talk about the case or anything else and it's like I don't know y'all gotta make up my mind listen I get preserving stuff for trial but it's been 30 years I know and when I talked to the Crime Stoppers people in Fort Wayne they said the guy's probably dead by now so like what's up why can't we talk about it but her family isn't dead so how about we give them some closure Even if someone is in the grave and we can't prosecute them anymore, my God, I bet they'd sleep better at night with at least one answer. I couldn't agree more, and I'll never figure this part out about cold cases. Why not just open it up to the public at the end? I mean, when you are this far down the line, 20, 25, 30 years, you you literally have nothing to lose. It's been 30 years and no one has closure. And Janet thinks it's a selfish move by police. Like, like we told um, the one detective, uh, I, I know we made him mad. I said, I couldn't, I couldn't care less. I said, all you guys are doing is waiting for everybody to die. Yeah. And then you'll come out with the case. But Janet thinks even if this person is dead, it doesn't mean all the answers are. Even if he did die. That does, that's not the end for you guys. He's got family members. He's got a brother, kids, somebody has to see him acting strange. No, there's something happened or something came up and he's been acting weird. And if police thought this guy is local, his family members are probably still around too. And maybe they'd be more willing to talk after this guy is gone, you know? Yeah. Janet brought up something else that I thought was really interesting. She said that after the funeral, police took the guest book. They had it for a long time and finally the family asked for it back. They couldn't find the book. It was not an evidence book room or anything like that. Someone threw it out. So you never got it back? We never got it back. The state department, state police didn't have it. County didn't have it. City didn't have it. But all of a sudden, out of the blue, the city come up with a couple copies. Gave us copies of the book. Some of the pages, not the whole book. Really? couple of pages, and the ones that they gave us was family that signed the book. But nobody else who you'd actually want to know was there. Interesting. And there was like over a couple hundred people showed up. Wait, when it appeared again, they only got some of the pages? According to Janet, they only got the pages with family members named on it. And there were hundreds of other people at the funeral. Yeah, we've talked about this before. A lot of times killers will go to the funeral of their victims to, like, experience the high and the thrill of the kill again, right? Yeah, or even just to see the family grieving or whatever sick reason. I would think that the police took this as kind of a checklist. I mean, when we talked about the episode, they had 400 people that they took DNA from. I have to imagine they kind of went down the list. But I think it's weird that they won't give it back to the family. If they have it, they could have really lost it. But it's, it's just weird to me. It's a big question mark. 
At the end of the day, Janet has just as many questions as all of us do, and sometimes her relationship with law enforcement is strained, and she loses faith that they'll ever be able to solve her daughter's case. It's been a cold case for some time now, and it gets put on the shelf and only dusted off if a new tip comes in or sometimes around the anniversary. And I sat in there, you're never going to solve it if you're going to just put it back on the shelf. I said, they need somebody that will be on it all the time. Have someone with that's got new eyeballs, new New, new perspective. Yeah, yeah. That's never know anything about the case. Let them look at it and let them, you know, determine what it will, what it can be. So right now they're stuck in this same vicious cycle where the case only gets attention if something new comes in, but nothing new is coming in because it's been thirty years. And maybe because of the thirty-year anniversary, they'll bring her case off the shelf and give it a fresh look. I asked Janet how this time of year is for her. It gets to her birthday, then it gets to the anniversary of the first four days of of her anniversary date. Yeah. So you, you've never had a good Easter? No. I'd imagine you'd dread never it. Never really celebrated Easter after that. And then um, I, tried, I tried to put a... When it gets to, I'll be around a bunch of people, I'll try to put a smiley face on there. But most of the time, ain't nobody knows not to call my house. Don't call, don't call my phone. Don't text me. Don't come bother me. Don't knock on my door. You just want to be alone? I just sit in my little chair, be by myself, have no TV on or nothing. That's so sad and heartbreaking. It is. It's It's been Janet's whole life for 30 years. And year after year, she just sits and she waits, hoping every year will bring her closer to answers for April. So again, we urge anyone with any information, anything at all, no matter how small, no matter how big, go to the website, take a look at all of the pictures they have, the sketches, the evidence. And if you know anything or feel anything, contact the Fort Wayne Police Department or the Fort Wayne Crime Stoppers. You can contact Fort Wayne Police by calling 1-260-427-1404. Or if you want to remain anonymous, you can contact the Fort Wayne Crime Stoppers at 260-436-STOP. You can also see all of the police sketches and different clues from the case on our website, crimejunkiepodcast.com. Crime Junkie is written and hosted by me. All of our sound production and editing comes from Britt Praywatt. And all of our music, including our theme, comes from Justin Daniel. Crime Junkie is an audio Chuck production. So what do you think, Chuck? Do you approve? If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Save big money on everything for your spring projects at Menards. 
We have all of your garden and landscaping essentials. Master Garden Premium Garden Soil contains a slow-release fertilizer that feeds gardens for up to nine months. It produces better results and is ready to use for all your gardening needs. Say big on Menard's great selection of garden and landscaping products. Compare brands in-store or online at Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. 